You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Bear tracks are seen in Macron's campaign for France's presidency. They're also appearing in German political parties' think tanks. Cyber gangs continue to pour over shadow brokers' leaks. Verizon and Samsung threat reports see ransomware and nation-state espionage as the trending issues. Amid debate over cyber authorities, Israel says it detected and stopped a major attack. And Adware invests online markets through spam and trojanized apps. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, April 27, 2017. France will hold its runoff election for president in little more than a week. The campaign has been marked by accusations of Russian influence operations, paralleling those conducted against American targets, notably the Democratic National Committee last year. The tactics, techniques, and procedures used point to the same actor, Fancy Bear, also known as Pondstorm, also known as APT-28, and officially known as the Russian Military Intelligence Agency, GRU. Intelligence firm ThreatConnect reviews the circumstantial evidence that Emmanuel Macron's campaign for France's presidency was indeed fished by Fancy Bear. The threat actor used the spoof domain OneDriveOnMarsh.fr in its phishing. OnMarsh is Macron's political movement. The domain was registered using the email address johnpinch at mail.com, and Fancy Bear is known for registering its spoof domains from mail.com addresses. The John Pinch address was also used to register three other domains, accountsoffice.fr, portaloffice.fr, and mailonmarsh.fr. All are hosted on dedicated servers, which, as ThreatConnects points out, is typically a sign that a domain has been operationalized, a pricey option, but one that gives operators more control over their infrastructure. And finally, the IP address used by an associated domain is the same one called out in the U.S. intelligence community's report on Grizzly Step, the allegedly Russian operation against the Democratic National Committee. So the evidence is circumstantial, but ThreatConnect is reasonably convinced that it points to Fancy Bear. Macron's campaign has confirmed that it sustained phishing attempts, but it also says that no data was lost. Observers are watching for leaks time before the second round of the elections, May 6th and 7th. If the intent is to spring a last-minute surprise in the campaign's endgame, Fancy Bear has less than 10 days to work with. Chinese and Russian criminal organizations continue to pick through shadow brokers' recent dump as they look for tools they can exploit in the wild. 
Chinese criminal gangs tend to have a casual moonlighting relationship with their government, but the connection in Russia is considerably closer, as the gangs are suborned to work for the security services and are offered a measure of protection when they do. Israel's government takes the unusual step of reporting that it sustained and stopped a cyber attack mounted by an unnamed foreign state. The disclosure may be related to ongoing controversy over a proposed cybersecurity law in draft before the Neset that would grant expansive powers to Israel's cyber authority. Haaretz reports that senior officials of both the Shin Bet Security Service and the Mossad Intelligence Agency have protested to Prime Minister Netanyahu that the revised cyber authority charter would prove detrimental to Israel's security. The deputy chief of staff of the Israeli Defense Forces and other senior defense officials are said to have joined Shin Bet and Mossad in objecting to the proposed law. Sudan's government is employing a hacking group called Electronic Jihad against ISIS. Critics see a collateral effect on dissidents in general, and many see the capability as more likely to be used against opponents of the regime than against ISIS. At the 2017 RSA conference Innovation Sandbox, one of the finalists was a new company called Enveil, demonstrating what they say are breakthroughs in homomorphic encryption. Ellison Ann Williams is founder and CEO of Enveil. So Enveil developed technology that allows folks to interact with data. So that could be via search or analytics in a way that no one can see into the content of that interaction. So what they would care about, um, the results that are coming out of that, or even the data itself, because it will operate over encrypted data as well as unencrypted data. So let's dig into that a little bit. Um, What we're talking about is uh, homomorphic encryption. Can you just kind of give us an overview of uh, what we're talking about with homomorphic encryption? Yeah, absolutely. So we're powered by homomorphic encryption is really what we call it. And um, homomorphic encryption is just a type of encryption that allows you to perform operations on encrypted data as if it were unencrypted in plain text space. And so when I say that we're powered by homomorphic encryption, there is you know, uh, several decades of research on homomorphic encryption out in the open literature. So lots of people have looked at it. Um, And what we've really done that's very novel and really enables it to be practical in a way that it was never before is that we use it and employ it in a very creative way through through our algorithmics. So even to the point where we're able to kind of swap out the homomorphic crypto for other things if people, you know, were so desired to do that. So uh, my understanding uh, up until I I'd heard about you all was that homomorphic encryption really wasn't practical, that it was too processor intensive to uh, to really be used in the real world. People had it functioning in the lab. So uh, what, what's the uh, what's the discoveries that you all made to make it workable? Yeah. So homomorphic encryption, exactly like you said, um, for the past you know 20 years or so has been a computational intractable kind of problem. So not practical for any kind of scale. Um, and so what we did, you know, having backgrounds in both pure mathematics and crypto and then distributed algorithmics is we married those two together. And so um, we developed these algorithms that use this homomorphic encryption in very, very efficient and I'll call it creative ways so that we're able to leverage the encryption and have it operate over large, large volumes of data to achieve a practicality that's just never been possible before. That's Ellison Ann Williams from Enveil. Both Symantec and Verizon have released major threat studies, and they highlight two trends, the growing popularity of ransomware among criminals and the very significant rise in cyber espionage by nation-states. 
ransomware needs little further introduction, but the increase in cyber espionage is having an effect on targets other than the government organizations espionage services are generally thought to pursue. Again, concentration on industry, political organizations, and individuals represents an updating of traditional espionage practices for the cyber age. It's also striking how thin the deniability of many operations has become. Take the brazen and noisy fancy bear as Exhibit A. And finally, in online advertising, bad money continues to drive out good. Risk IQ describes Notrove, an ad spammer whose large-scale efforts are damaging legitimate advertising. Checkpoint warns of another quiet botnet, False Guide, infesting Android devices, some 600,000 of them, it estimates, with adware. So watch your phones, everybody. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Rick Howard. He's the chief security officer at Palo Alto Networks, and he also heads up their Unit 42 Threat Intel team. Uh, Rick, welcome back. Um, We wanted to touch base today on a new white paper that Unit 42 has put out around credential theft. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, This is a nice uh, introduction to the topic, Uh, and you and I have talked in the past about the importance of making it easy for network defenders to deploy prevention and detection controls down the adversary's life cycle. Mm -hmm. In the 2016 Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report, the authors noted that 63% of all confirmed data breaches leveraged credentials in some way. So our Unit 42 analyst, Robert Falcone, he said it this way in the white paper, credentials are the oxygen of malicious activity. Hmm. So there are basically five primary techniques that attackers use for stealing credentials. And the, the most common one is one we all talk about all the time is credential phishing and spam. Sure. But there, but there are other techniques, right? Social engineering, this is where 
the bad guy calls you on the phone and tricks you into giving you giving up your password. Yep. Another one or a common one is reusing stolen passwords or shared credentials. And what I mean by that is the bad guy that's going to attack your network uh, doesn't actually steal them himself, but he goes to an underground uh, site and buys a bag of them from some other nefarious hacker. So um, he just gets a use of them. He didn't he didn't steal them himself. Another one that's been around forever is brute force. Yes, it's still possible hmm. to guess passwords. And then the other one that's interesting is uh, the security question reuse. You know, yeah. when you call your favorite website to change your password, one way the owners of the site checks to see that you are legitimate is they ask you a set of these security questions. You know, like, what is your favorite dog? Or mm -hmm. what's the name of your first girlfriend? Or, you know, what's the idea of your wife's maiden name? The problem with these security questions is that the adversary can easily guess most of these answers by just rummaging around your social media feeds, you know, so right. uh, they're not great. And so uh, what can be done? Um, first one is use two-factor authentication for your SaaS applications. I know that sounds hard for the general purpose users like the grandmas out there, but it really has become a lot easier to do that uh, today for most of these SaaS applications. The second one is, and I'll probably get a little flack for this, but I think you should be using Password Manager um, like LastPass. Password Managers, if you don't know, you know, they plug into your browser and elsewhere, and they help you generate strong passwords for your online activity, and they store them securely, and then they remember them for you as you as you uh, frequent your favorite sites and even grandmas can use password managers once you once their nephews or nieces sets it up uh, even they can figure out how to use it so password managers use them i think uh, the last one i like is uh, for the security questions okay and here's the recommendation don't use the correct answers to security questions so instead of using or answering my wife's true maiden name Make up another password or phrase that you can remember, something like, you know, snart blaster, you know, something right. like that. Don't tell anybody what it is, though, okay? So uh, then there is no way for an adversary to peruse your social networks to find that snart blast is your wife's maiden name. So those are just three things you should do. And the, the bottom line for all these recommendations is to reduce the attack surface, okay? Users can adopt these uh, easy best practices. Use two-factor authentication for all your SaaS apps. Use a password manager, and don't be truthful on your security questions. All right. As always, good information. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>